occult crimes, paranormal investigations, urban legends, and strange happenings. Welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. Hey, welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. This is episode 89. I'm Abby. I'm Kate, and we'll be your ghostesses in 2022. Again. Officially. Here we are. Now that we have recovered. Yes, so if you don't follow us on social media, we did get coronavirus right after we recorded our last minisode, uh, which is where we haven't been releasing episodes, but yeah. we're okay now. We're here. We're back. Badder than ever. Badder? As in, like, worser <laughs> terrible Worse? <laughs> yeah, I just thought it'd be funny if I said that. Oh, right. As in, like, bad, or as in, like, like bad. Like, cool. What else would I mean? Like, evil? Yeah, like, evil. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I mean that? If you listened to our last episode, and it was the first one that you ever heard, and we also had a fever when we recorded that because of a booster vaccine that we got. Yeah. So, um, we aren't always sick, people. 2022 has really tested us, and we're not at the end of the first month. No, but that doesn't mean that we're backing down. We will still be releasing episodes. The universe said, stop doing this podcast, And please. we said, we'll rise like the phoenix from the ashes of our sick selves. So today, we're talking about imposters. Who are you talking about? I'm talking about Frederick Bourdain. I did not research that name at all. Sorry. Kate? <laughs> Jesus, you have one thing to do here. Listen, we're batch recording. We are. I'm talking about Princess Caribou. Is that... Not related to the poutine shop in the city. Is that a character in a bench time? <laughs> Maybe. Do you want to go first? Do you have some news for me this week? I do, in fact. The news is, of course, from unexplained-mysteries.com. And this time, the news is somewhat local to us. It was in Ireland that a strange event took place. On Friday the 21st of January, so very recent... In this new year of 2022, two men walked into Hosey's post office in Carlow, either side of an unconscious elderly man. It all looked a bit weird, but they tried to serve the odd group, as you would. Staff asked if the old man was okay, to which the men supporting him said, he's having a heart attack and will take him to the hospital when he withdraws the cash from his pension. Oh no. Obviously, on hearing that, a staff member phoned the emergency services. Good. At which point, the two men dropped the elderly man and fled. The ambulance turned up shortly after and found that the old man was deceased. He was identified as Peter Doyle. They later realised that one of the two men that had run away had previously tried to take money from the old man's pension earlier that day, but had been turned away because the elderly man wasn't there. Oh my goodness. So now police are looking into finding the suspects while the medical examiner needs to figure out how long the elderly man had been dead because it's possible these people brought a corpse into a post office to get money. That's insane. Now you know. Goodness, well that was a bit morbid. It was, but it was just... I have a light-hearted story for you. But it was just a bit crazy. That is a wild story. Could you imagine? You're just going to work at the post office. People at the post office should be paid more. They should. Pay our postal workers more. Things, things like this are happening. 
This doesn't happen in every post Does office. This is this what Ireland is like? Is this every day? Does this happen every day in if Ireland? If you work in the post office in Ireland, tell me how many times you've seen this. <laughs> so let's talk about some imposters. Right. Picture this. Oh, wait, my sources. Sources are History Press, Wikipedia, All That's Interesting, The Vintage News, museums.bristol.gov.uk, and Art UK. So picture this. You are a cobbler in Gloucestershire, England. Like a cobblestone? Uh, no, that they make shoes. Right, right. And as you're doing your work, you know, cobbling, you come across a disoriented young woman. This is what happened on April 3rd, 1817. The woman was wearing exotic clothes, as they were described, and was speaking a language he couldn't understand even a little bit of. She was wearing a black gown, a red and black shawl around her shoulders, a cotton shawl on her head, and she was carrying like a small bundle that had necessities, you know, like soap and stuff. The woman was completely out of it. She didn't have a clue what was going on. She'd actually knocked at this door and all the village people were looking on like, oh my gosh, the band. Sorry, I have so many things. Right. First of all, why couldn't you think of any other necessity other than soap? <laughs> well, that Second isn't of all, the village people. That is, that is a necessity. That was it. Well, do you need me to list everything? No, it just sounded like you were going to be like, yeah, she had necessities like soap, water, food. You were just like, like soap. And then. (laughs) Yeah, like just in case you were like, what kind of necessities? Like soap. But, anyways, so while he couldn't understand what she was saying, he could sort of gather what, you know, what she was asking for because she was miming things, you know, like food and, and eat and sleep. So he gave her bread and milk. And then she mimed that she wanted to go to sleep. But his wife wasn't really excited that this strange woman was in their house. Fair enough. So she picked her up. No, she didn't pick her up. She collected her and took her to the um, local county. Is Do you say magistrate? Magistrate? Magistrates. Magistrate. So his name was Samuel Worrell. And he was married to an American woman named Elizabeth. And they greeted the woman. But they were also confused because they couldn't understand her either. But they were able to determine that she refer- ref- oh my god, that she referred to herself as caribou. They also discovered that she was interested in Chinese imagery. I don't know how they figured that out. Samuel <laughs> was suspicious of the woman, but Elizabeth took a liking to her, and so she sent her to the local inn to stay, eat, and drink. And while she was at the inn, she pointed to this drawing of a pineapple and said nanas, which means pineapple in Indonesian languages. So the other people at the inn were flawed. They were immediately like, this pineapple is from her homeland. <laughs> so she's from Asia, right? <laughs> okay. I, that was just what they thought. But although his wife had tried to aid this woman, Samuel then decided that Cairo was a beggar and she should be put on trial for it. Oh my God, drama. So historically in Western societies, homeless people that supported themselves through begging or drifting and getting odd jobs were often considered to be lawless mm. because it was associated with petty crime. And being a beggar was punishable by law with forced labour, military service, or imprisonment. Oh my god, they were going to sign pineapple up to the army. Did you know that? Did you just call her pineapple? Uh, caribou. Her name is Caribou. Sorry. Pine- <laughs> First name, pineapple. First name, pine. Second name, apple. First name, pie. Second name, napple. <laughs> Anyways, so... Yes. Bit of a tangent, a little bit. But did you know that back in the 1500s in the UK, the punishment 
for being a beggar was human branding or whipping. Fun. Anyway, Caribou was imprisoned in Bristol. And while she was there, a Portuguese sailor named Manuel said he spoke her language and he could translate her story. He said that she was Princess Caribou from the island of Javasu in the Indian Ocean. She'd been captured by pirates, and after a long voyage as their prisoner, she jumped overboard to the Bristol Channel and swam to the shore. Samuel and his wife Elizabeth came back for Caribou after this to take her home. They brought her to their house. Fair, they were like, you've been through enough, soz. And she stayed there for 10 weeks. And she became kind of a VIP to the locals. You know, she was like this royal princess from faraway lands. They were super excited for her to be in this town. And during this day, she prayed on the roof. She used a bow and arrow. She fenced. She swam naked in the lake. Oh my God, caribou, live it up. The best time. She was given exotic clothing and even got her portrait painted. And it was distributed in local newspapers. She was treated like um, she was intentionally visiting from another country. What's it called when like... Like a royal visit. Yeah, but... They were just, they just assumed. But she'd just been kidnapped by pirates. Yeah. Wow. So she also only drank tea and ate vegetables, and she slept exclusively on the floor. Nice. And it wasn't that they just assumed she was telling the truth or that the sailor was, but they did get an expert in named Dr. Wilkinson, who identified the language, like that he was like, yeah, this is totally that. And he also said he can identify some marks on her head that were similar to the work of oriental surgeons. I tried, but I can't find out what he meant by that phrase um, or how he would know what kind of surgery takes place anywhere else. I guess maybe if he thought it was like acupuncture. Either way. You know what I mean? I guess that's why he's the expert and not me, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I presumed it meant like not Western medicine. Yeah, well, either way, her identity was confirmed and combined with the new portrait she'd had taken... She made national news and everyone was fascinated with her and her story. And Samuel probably felt a bit silly for sending her to jail. Probs. So she continued living her best royal life with people not understanding what she was saying, (laughs) which is like the peak of civilization. Civilization? Life is what I meant to say. Could you imagine? Chill out, dude. Sorry, I'm excited. Could you imagine being, being treated like royalty, but you don't have to speak to anyone because they don't know what you're saying? Yeah. Like, you just get to swim naked in a lake and you don't have to explain anything. Yeah, and also no repercussions. I mean, oh, what a life to live. Right? Everyone who saw it in the newspaper had no doubt she was a foreign princess. That's until one day a housekeeper named Mrs. Neal looked at the newspaper and went, wait a second, is that Mary? Mary. Mrs. Neal called Samuel and Elizabeth to tell them that this princess was not a princess at all. Her name was Mary Wilcox, and she was a cobbler's daughter. She's also not from any foreign islands. She's from Devon, which for our international listeners is not very far away from from where she was staying. So Mrs. Neal told her hosts that Mary was a servant girl, but she'd found no place to stay. It turned out that Mary had invented the language, so, like, she wasn't even speaking English, any language at all. And weeks earlier, Samuel had asked her to write down some words in her language, and he sent them out to Oxford University you know, to have them analysed to see where she was from. And they came back, pretending it was a joke, basically, like, oh, you've given us this humbug language. So she was just writing gibberish. And the Portuguese sailor had been her accomplice, which is how he had, like, translated, even though, obviously, he oh hadn't. Oh, God, the drama! The marks on the back of her head... 
were actually scars from a crude cupping operation that she got in London to treat her overheated brain. I don't know, old medicine. Wow, crazy. The newspapers absolutely loved this, obviously, because this had been happening for so long now. Everyone knew this celebrity. She got her portrait painted. And the middle class was so proud of her and giving her everything she wanted. And she was just some English girl that had conned them She's all. just some girl called Mary. So Rah. when they called her out, she had no problem speaking English. She explained that she wanted to be more interesting. Which, Me. relatable. Oh my God. Although I'm sure she kind of knew she might get some perks out of it if she played it well. But it was also a bit of a risk because if they had found out that she was just a beggar, she could have been sent to a work camp. She could have been whipped. But I, get, I mean, this wasn't the 1500s. Oh, yeah. But I guess she had no other idea what to do. It could be a bit fun, so she just went for it. And while Samuel was likely annoyed, his wife Elizabeth actually felt really bad for Mary. And so she arranged for her to go to Philadelphia on June 28th. <laughs> so there's an unverified can story. Feel, can someone feel bad for me? There's an unverified story that <laughs> in September, a letter was printed in the Bristol Journal, allegedly from a Sir Hudson... Hudson Lowe, the claim that after Mary got on the ship, it had driven close by to um, St. Helena. And, you know, when Napoleon was exiled? No. Anyways, Napoleon... I'm not going to go into that. It's irrelevant. <laughs> but Napoleon was there, and apparently she wooed him so much as Princess Caribou that he wanted to marry her. But it's possibly untrue. It was just a letter. Oh, my God. Regardless, she didn't give up this whole Princess Caribou thing. She had, like, tasted the sweet life of naked swimming and getting a portrait done. So she continued trying to con people in America with the same character, even appearing at the state, um, on stage at the Washington Hall as Princess Caribou. Wow. But it didn't really work as well as it had done in England, so she wrote to Samuel and Elizabeth complaining about it before she left America in 1824. And then she returned to England and tried again <laughs> to be Princess Caribou. Come and on, She Mary. would not let it drop. But it didn't work because they were like, Mary Han, we know it's you. <laughs> Go away. And she's like, I'm Princess Caribou. I don't know who this Mary have, is. It's reported she might have went to France or Spain or whatever as Caribou, but eventually she returned to England. Four years after this, she was living as a widow in Bristol under the name Murray Burgess, which, yes, her name is Mary, but this was not her surname. She'd actually stolen it from her cousin. <laughs> Get it together, Mary. Come on, Mary. Then she married a man named Richard and gave birth to a daughter, also named Mary, and she began selling leeches to the hospital before dying from a fall on Christmas Eve in 1864. From a fall. And then there's the most tragic line I've ever seen written on an article ever. I'm just going to quote it straight from Wiki. Her daughter carried on with her business, living alone in Bedminster, in a house full of cats, until her death in a fire in February 1900. No. Well, how were the cats? They probably were also in the fire. No, they perished. There was a movie made of this in 1994 named Princess Caribou, and their portrait can be viewed at the Bristol Museum and Art Gallery, if you do want to go see it. But that's all I got. I'd love to see it. Me I love too. it, because like we're still feeding into Mary being Caribou. Absolutely. She's still, like, she's still the drama. I if you it. see it without reading the description, you might be like, ooh, a princess. Yeah, wow, I'm looking at a princess right it's now. It's just Mary. And Mary is there. She's present. She's a ghost. We know it. And she's there like, fuck yeah. Like just the... some woman named Mary. She's like, I'm going to go frolic. Who was bored and was like, what if I were a princess? I really feel like naked swimming. How do I 
get about that. How? What's the best way for me to live in that guy's house? I'll just speak gibberish. Yeah. And it worked. Good, Good for, for her. her. Wow. I love that we're both on Mary's side. Absolutely. Wholeheartedly. It's just kind of funny, isn't it? That they were like, oh, we'll get this expert in. And he was like, I can verify that she's she's a foreign princess. Yeah. And she just wasn't. Like, it was this. It was a housekeeper who was like, that's Mary. <laughs> like, if, if that woman hadn't have seen the newspaper, she how long would this have happened? I kind of like, wish she, she hadn't. This. I really wish she hadn't seen the newspaper. What I love is that she then continued to do it multiple times after this. <laughs> like, she went to America and was like, they don't know. How would they know? I'll just do it again. <laughs> and then when it didn't work, she came back to England and was like, You guys me, don't know. Caribou. And they were like, We have your portrait. Mary Hun. We've got a wanted sign of you right there. Apparently, she tried to be an actress as well, but it, it failed. Oh. Would love to have seen some Princess Caribou movies. Me too. But I would love to go see a portrait with you sometime. Yeah, that'd be great. Caribou. Iconic. Truly iconic. What a crazy gal. Yeah. Anything else you want to add to that? No, I love it. Cool. Well, if you like the podcast and you want to follow us on social media, you can do that at Myths Magic Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have a Patreon if you want to go over there and support us on there. Over on our Patreon, we have live footage of us telling you these things. It's not live. Hi. <laughs> no, it's not live. It's pre-recorded, but we're still here. Also, we have little extra bits over on Patreon. We have little chats for you guys. We have little polls. You guys can vote. You guys can tell us what you want to hear. And you get 10% off of our merchandise, which you can view over on mythsmagicandmurder.com. And on the website, we've got a little referrals and submissions thing. So if you want to hear something that we haven't covered or something that happened to you in your life, that's great. Tell us. And if you have any haunted happenings, terrifying tales or spooky stories, you can email us on mythsmagicandmurder at gmail.com. Sick one. Tell us about your story then, Kate. Sick. So my sources are Wikipedia, grunge.com, independent.co.uk, bbc.co.uk, history101.com and allthatsinteresting.com. Instead of telling you about Frederick Bourdon from the outset, I'm actually going to start by telling you about Nicholas Barclay. Nicholas Patrick Barclay was born on the 31st of December in 1980 to Beverly Dollarhide. He had an older brother and sister, Carrie and Jason, and the family lived in San Antonio, Texas. By the age of 13, Nicholas had been in trouble with the law multiple times, as he'd stolen, threatened, been involved in a breaking and entering, and been verbally and physically abusive to his mother. Right? So he's not hes not a good kid. Then, on June the 13th, 1994, he vanished. He'd gone out to play basketball with his mate, he'd been given a fiver from his mum, and he just vanished. Oh no, how old was he? 13. Damn. Police were slow on the response because he'd run away before, and he had a court hearing the next day, so right. on the 14th, that determined if he'd stay with his family or go to a group home. So they were like... He's just run away. He's just legged it, like he'll be back. The investigation had little to no leads because obviously they were like, how far could he have got with a fiver? Yeah. And eventually they, you know, they were still searching, but like it wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. Until three years later, when... The San Antonio police received a call from Spain in October 1997. A man from a Spanish youth shelter reported that Nicholas was alive and had turned up saying he'd just escaped a child sex ring run by high-ranking European political and military officials 
and had been the victim of abuse for three years. Oh my god. So obviously the family were alerted, and his older sister, Carrie, went to Spain to identify him. She confirmed it was Nicholas, and they started to talk. He had picked up European languages, especially French, while he'd been gone, and he had no memories of his past life. But after years of torture, no one was really surprised. Mm -hmm. When he came home with them, there were differences in his personality, like he was more distant, he didn't appreciate physical affection, but it was all able. It would make sense. Yeah. His family were confused at first, though, because his hair had darkened and his eye colour had changed from blue to dark brown and his complexion had changed. Mm. But he said that the people running the operation had chemically dyed his hair, hair, eyes and skin for him to be unrecognisable. Okay. Little things started not adding up with Nicholas, and eventually Charlie Parker, a private investigator, got involved and found that Nicholas wasn't Nicholas at all. It was 23-year-old Frederick Bourdain pretending to be Nicholas. That's the most terrifying concept. Yeah. This guy was six years older than Nicholas would have been. So he was 23. Nicholas should have been 16 16. at the time. Mm. So time for some background on Fred. Frederick Pierre Bourdain was born on the 13th of June in 1974 in Nanterre, which is in the western suburbs of Paris in France, obviously. It's unclear as to what happened with his mother, Ghislaine Bourdain, but Frederick was raised by his grandparents in Nantes after a child services intervention, so it wasn't good. Mm -hmm. He never knew his father, who was apparently a married Algerian immigrant named Casey. Frederick was referred to as a bit of an outcast in his early life, so he started to make up stories, such as, my dad is a member of the British Secret Services, and that's why he's never here. Oh. Yeah. So, like, like sad sad stories, yeah. Yeah. Just to make himself, like, more interesting, I guess. Yeah. But his misbehaviour didn't stop here. He started acting out and stealing, which resulted in him being sent to a private youth home, so, like, a like a family home, I guess, at 12 years old. He only stayed here for a few years, often pretending that he had amnesia, so that he was like, like whenever he left the house, he pretended that he had amnesia just so that he was like in the street. He was just wandering around for the fun of it. Then when he was 16, he moved to another youth home for a bit, but eventually ran away to Paris. When he ran away... He assumed the identity of a lost British teenager, but his lies were revealed because he couldn't speak any English. A different boy? Yeah, just random. He came up with a random name. Oh, oh my gosh. And he was like, I'm British. Why didn't he just pretend to be a French teenager? Okay. We don't know. (laughs) He was sent back to the group home and then ran away again to do the same thing over and over. And by the age of 18, he'd pretended to be at least 12 fake children. Oh my god. Going to and from orphanages and foster homes, apparently looking for the love and shelter he didn't receive in childhood. This is a sad story really, isn't it? Well, it's hard to tell because he lies so much. He has like something that's not quite right. That it's, it's hard to tell if he was looking for love and shelter. Or whether he was just doing it because he enjoyed to lie. That's, yeah, that's fair. 
There's no real information for what happened in the next few years, but obviously by 23, he's pretending to be Nicholas. So the FBI was involved in the case. Can you imagine how excited the family would be to be like, oh my God, our son is back. And then it's just some guy. Well, let me continue. So the FBI are involved. This private investigator was involved. They realised because of a photo of him and the private investigator was like, his ears don't match up. Because apparently ears are like fingerprints. Like, they're unique. Yeah, they're like, you can you can tell. That's insane. I knew that. I had no idea. I have little tiny elf ears. I have giant mug handle ears. <laughs> so if you ever see a photo of Kate with teeny tiny ears and me with big old ears, it's imposters. Yeah, we swapped lives. Yeah. If our <laughs> podcast gets way better overnight, just know <laughs> it's small leered Abby and big... Wait. You know what? It's true, actually, yeah. Keep going. So... They realised that, and then obviously they did like fingerprint results and whatever, because they were allowed to by the court once they'd taken that kind of stuff and been like, this ain't the same guy. Mm -hmm. So the fingerprint results came back, and Frederick was like, all right, jigs up. But Nicholas's family didn't want him to leave. Oh. Which, oh, that's sad. But it made authorities and the public suspicious Oh, about the family's motive. Frederick himself has said that he believed the family killed Nicholas. Oh my god. And were accepting Frederick into the family, knowing they weren't the same boy, so it looked like nothing was wrong. Oh my- that was plot of I was not expecting. Yeah. I thought it was because they were like, you know, lying to themselves. No, apparently. This is just what Frederick says. I mean, he says a lot of things, though. He also said that he could tell they knew that it wasn't Nicholas and that he met Jason, so Nicholas's older brother, who's also been called his uncle at different times, so I'm not entirely sure, but I think it's his older brother. Okay. He said that his older brother was there. He looked at Frederick, said good luck, and left. And shortly after, was the victim of an overdose and died. Oh my god. What? Yeah. So regardless. We can't just brush over this. Brushing over this. Did they ever investigate the disappearance of that boy any further? There's nothing to go on. Oh my goodness. Even scarier, I guess, if you did kill someone. Obviously, we don't know, and this is all alleged. But, like, if you killed somebody, and then you got a phone call being like, we found that person, they're alive. Mm. Oh my god, I'm getting palpitations and I haven't killed anybody. <laughs> yeah, well, Frederick was saying that when um, the sister came to see him, obviously he was bricking it, because he just turned up to this shelter and been like, Oh, I'm a lost American boy. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So the shelter had phoned America and been like, you got any lost American boys for like roughly this amount of time? And they were like, yeah. And Frederick was like, shit. Like, I, I need to assume this. I don't look that. like that boy. Yeah. yeah. So he dyed his, he bleached his hair. Um, And even though Nicholas was 13 when he disappeared, he had three tattoos 
that he'd given himself. Right. So Frederick then had to give himself. Oh my god! Three this tattoos. Is so much dedication. Yeah, there that matched. Be a movie about this. There are. Oh. <laughs> that matched those tattoos, and then the sister turned up, and Frederick has said, obviously we don't know because we weren't there. Frederick said that she turned up, and she was kind of like, oh, remember this? Like, remember this? This is the house we lived in. Remember this? You know what I mean? Mm. And obviously you would do that if the person didn't remember, but he was like, it felt like she was pushing me to get all of this in my memory so that our story was straight. Kind of like, um, I suppose, you know, when police sometimes really, really want a confession out of someone, and they'll like feed them the information, yeah, so that they know. It's like I've seen so many things where it's like um, the person doesn't know any information about the crime scene, so they'll sit there for ten hours and be like, "And you did this at this crime scene in this very specific location, and this is how the body was found." Yeah, and then they'll be able to like refer, like repeat that. Yeah, 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 exactly the same sort of thing. Yeah, hmm, that is quite sketchy, but I suppose. But I suppose like if. If you if he doesn't on have any head. memory, you would. Yeah. I mean, I would do that. If you weren't missing, I'd be like, this is our podcast, Myth, Magic and Murder. You remember it? Yeah, like, oh, surely you remember this. This is your mum. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, mm. that's just food what for What an interesting thing. I mean, I wouldn't trust him based yeah. on everything else, but it's an interesting concept regardless to like think about. So, Frederick was imprisoned for six years because he committed passport fraud and perjury because he was given a US passport. Mm-hmm. And after five of those years, he was deported back to France, so in 2003. He hadn't learnt his lesson, though. Oh, no. In 2003, he was 14-year-old Leo Bally. In 2004... How is he even considering, like, why is he doing people so young? I guess because we can stay in the system for longer. Apparently, it was because he wanted to be housed, again, for the love and shelter and whatever. Um, And also, he knew that people would feel sorry for him if he were younger. How are you getting away with being that young, though? In 2004, he was Ruben Sanchez Espinosa. In 2005, he was 15-year-old Francisco Hernandez Fernandez. Um, like how old would he be at this point if he was 23 back then? Well, by this point, Frederick was a 31-year-old balding man, so he constantly had a cap on. And his excuse at the time was that he'd lost his family in a car accident and he had scarring under the cap that he didn't want people to see. That's so much dedication. Yeah. There has to be something not quite right there, rather than him just, like, I don't know, getting an apartment. Francisco was actually his last fake persona, and it only lasted for a month. Because he enrolled into school, and a school administrator told the principal, hey, this kid looks exactly like an old French man who was an imposter called the Chameleon by Interpol, that I saw a TV documentary on the other day. That's insane. Could you imagine? Yeah. So <laughs> then, an old French man. So then obviously they dug that out and they were like, oh my God, it's you. So that was his final one. Throughout his career of being an imposter, he has held over 500 different identities. Wow. But it's also what led him to find his wife. Oh. She saw him on TV due to the publicity of him being the chameleon. They married in 2007 and have five kids and a cat together. Oh, that's nice, I guess. Although where his last fake identity was a while ago, 
There's not very much information on them now, so I'm not sure if they're still together, but they seem to have a nice little life. That's good. Although most of his identities were completely fabricated, obviously Nicholas Barclays is real, and police have still not found anything further in his case. There are also two other missing children that Frederick adopted the identities of for a short while, but there's not much information on those online. Since his final con, Law and Order have done an episode that was inspired by Frederick Act, Frederick's act of impersonating Nicholas. Plus, in 2010, there was a film called The Chameleon that was an authorised biography of his life. And then there was a documentary made in 2012 called The Imposter, which I believe is on Netflix. Oh, well, I'll give it a watch. And Frederick wasn't very happy about it. Uh, he called all those involved in the making of it British scum. Fair. Because he was saying they've made me out to be really bad. But he also hadn't seen it. He was only going off of people's reactions online. Right. So People are going to react badly when you pretend to be missing children. Yeah. So regardless the, of what reason you're doing it for. <laughs> the director was like, I don't think we made you out to be a bad guy. Like, I actually think people kind of feel sorry for you. You did the actions, my but, dude. Yeah, go off. So, that is that. I do have very mixed opinions on that. I think it's it's a very tough one to kind of think about because, like, while, you know, it's not a very good thing to do, especially real children. Yeah. I think that's the problem. That's where you kind of need to draw the line. When you start getting involved in real cases of missing real people. Yeah, you're, like, you're, you're altering the case and you're getting families hopeful or whatever. Yeah, like, we can't feel sorry for you anymore. But... At the same time, it is sad that he's obviously feeling so neglected that he feels the need to do this so often. Yeah. But... I mean, now he seems good. Well, good for him. So that's I good. I suppose. Yeah. It all worked out in the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, most of it. Yeah, for the most part. Some of it worked out in the end. If you were going to be an imposter, who would you be? I would be Princess Caribou. Specifically her. You wouldn't just be a different princess. No. I want the legend to live on. You love Princess Caribou, huh? <laughs> I do. I really rate it. She wasn't just like, oh, I'm Helga from, you know, the North. She was like, I can't speak English. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to swim naked and I can't speak English. And you know what? I rate it. That took... That's me. That took wondering. a lot. I'm going <laughs> to swim naked and I can't speak English. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I respect it. I would love to be like a yeah, like a fake celebrity. Could you imagine? Just just like a fake important person, you know, when you can like sneak into events and like people imagine people taking photos with you but you're not relevant. Like that's hilarious to me. That's what I get when my friends take selfies with me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like imagine making such a fake persona that you end up in like a cool backstage area with incredibly important people. I love it. And you're just some guy. Could you imagine, like, you're at the Queen's dinner? Have you seen those? I used to be really into um, YouTube videos. People would pretend to be other people, like celebrities. Oh, I know. You've, you've told me they about They were fun. These. And I saw one, um, I think it was actually somewhat recent, I think I stumbled across it on the internet, where some guy, like, snuck into a fashion week. He, like, pretended to be a model just by printing off a lanyard and, like, rushing past people dressed well. I love it. And like got backstage. If you wonder about <laughs> It's so crazy though, isn't it? Because like if you walk anywhere with purpose, no one will question you. Yeah, I've seen people say like, if you want to get backstage at a concert, wear a camera and bring a pizza. 
Yeah. And like just walk and people won't bother you. Don't try that and say that I told you. No. Because <laughs> we aren't involved. Yeah, these are memes that we're talking about. These are just but, funny jokes. Haha. Uh, but if it did happen, then send But us if I did do proof. that. <laughs> but if we did ever do a live show and you want to come back. <laughs> you backstage for the pizza? That's fine. I will tell security if anyone has a pizza, they're not allowed. <laughs> I will tell security, ignore her. She's gone crazy. I'm ugly back there. This is the show you where she's drunk and I'm sober. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying anything and I'm completely nude. <laughs> as always. As soon as as soon as this podcast becomes my life, as soon as I'm famous, <laughs> I'm not gonna speak English. You planning on being famous? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Get ready, lads. I'm planning on just getting bigger ears, I think. <laughs> you can take mine. Do you wanna switch? I would love to. What if I got one of yours and you got one of mine? And you could hear really well with one, but not with the other. I'm going to out you right now. I don't want your ears because they're wonky. You know what? No one needed to know that online. <laughs> the person I am online and the person I am in real life are similar, but they're not quite the same. When you wear glasses... Because I wouldn't tell people about this. They look like they're falling down your face. I know, and you know what? I don't wear glasses on the podcast, <laughs> specifically for that reason. And everyone knows that's why. Mine might be giant mug handles, but at least they're the same height. One of my ears is way higher than the other one. It's it's sweet. They're too wonky. I don't know why. But they are kind of cute. I would know if someone took you and like I'm pretended sorry. to but I would know. <laughs> Thank you for, <laughs> for keeping them, a good eye like, on Liam me. Neeson. No, I mean like I would know if you were replaced because they wouldn't get your ears so different. You know my ears that well. I do. In height. That one. Or would you just put glasses on me there. and see if it was normal? <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, you're not Abby. And she's like, why? And, and I'm like, like this close to her putting glasses on. Because you look good in glasses. No one said And look... you can speak English. No one said you look bad. Oh. Just said you were wonky. Well, someone add some violin sound effects. <laughs> someone, like I don't edit this. <laughs> Can someone do that? Excuse me, someone. Someone else that isn't me. Can someone add something? Can the person bringing the pizza at the live show? Can you edit a video? Look, I'm not relevant, but if anyone wants to make a fan video of me and put <laughs> sad violin. If anyone wants to make an edit of me. <laughs> put sad violin music over it. I'd oh love that. God. You can tell we haven't done a podcast in ages because this has just become the junk segment of the show. And with that, don't listen before bed. Listen before bed. <laughs>